0: A Glimpse Into Utah's Storied History in the Field of Genetics, up next on The Scope. Examining the latest research and telling you about the latest breakthroughs, the Science and Research Show is on The Scope. I'm talking with Dr. Ray Justlin, Emeritus Professor of Human Genetics at the University of Utah. You know, something that is lore here at University of Utah is um, this ALTA meeting. Can you talk about what that meeting and and why it was so important?
1: So I came in 1978 in August and I was busy setting up my lab when the Department of Biology had a department retreat up at Alta. And uh, they had uh, two guest speakers, David Botstein and Ron Davis, um, and Mark Skolnick, who was here at the time, was also at that meeting. And um, there was a discussion about the possibility of using... Um, these DNA markers that are variable from person to person uh, as a way to do mapping of genes in humans. Um, Ray White, who, who was not at the meeting, but was at the University of Massachusetts, had done experiments in fruit flies discovering these highly variable pieces of DNA and showed that you could really use these to localize uh, where genes might be on the Drosophila genome. So the discussion that went on at ALDA was, could this same kind of technology be developed for for humans? Uh, And at the end of that meeting, uh, Botstein and Davis, whom I knew well from uh, earlier years, stopped by my lab as I was setting it up, and they were just full of excitement and enthusiasm. They got up to the whiteboard and were drawing pictures of how it would work and how many markers it would take to map human genes but it was very clear that that was likely to be a real turning point. Uh, and then subsequently um, uh, Ray White was involved in that conversation and the four of them uh, published a, a monumental paper that really changed the way human genetics was done.
0: So the the technology is Restriction Fragment Length Polymorphism, RFLP. What What did that allow scientists to do that they couldn't do before?
1: Before doing human genetics was uh, was tough going. So what this allowed you to do was to link a particular physical piece of DNA to uh, uh, a region of a chromosome from a family that had a, a particular disease within that family. That would give you a an address in a in a town or where that gene might be. You didn't know what street it was on or what house it might be in, mm-hmm. but it gave you a, a town to begin to look uh, among. So you could then begin to sort through uh, larger fragments of, uh, of random pieces of DNA from, from humans and find uh, a much larger piece that has that one variable piece you're interested in to get you closer and closer to the uh, gene of interest that you, uh, you're really trying to find. Uh, closer to the street, closer to the house where the gene really resides. And
0: that's the objective in the end, to find the the gene, the culprit of of the disease. That's right. Yeah.
1: So you could, for the first time, have a physical association of something you could have in your hand to a real gene and uh, and giving you access to what the mutation might be in the family to cause the disease. A monumental turning point.
0: Was it embraced by the scientific community, or did people start using that right away, or...? That
1: really caught on very quickly, and yeah. there were places all over the world that uh, immediately launched into using that general approach. So there was a big, um, almost a race to to put markers all over the human genome. Mm-hmm. One of the fundamental things that that uh, made that a more sensible uh, approach worldwide was uh, an effort that uh, Ray White and Jean-Marc Lalouel here uh, uh, arranged with the uh, a uh, genetic research lab in Paris to settle on a set of some 50 families whose DNA would be made available to anybody interested in mapping human genes these were the so-called ceph families uh, they were normal families not with any particular disease phenotype but the the uh, all the people doing uh, genetic mapping around the world agreed to use this set and that greatly simplified uh, the uh, worldwide understanding because everybody was working with the same material.
0: So what's an example of the useful information they were able to get from these CEPH families?
1: One of the early ones certainly was cystic fibrosis. A uh, group here uh, collected cystic fibrotic families and uh, and ran these uh, these highly variable sequence uh, libraries against these families and found a connection to chromosome 7 and ultimately found the gene that's uh, responsible for almost all cases of cystic fibrosis. So that was an early one. Uh, Neurofibromatosis uh, cancer was uh, a second one that came along quite quickly, Uh, and then the list went on and on.
0: Interesting, informative, and all in the name of better health. This is the Scope Health Sciences Radio.